Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, May 27. Graham McGarry asks, Does Malky Mackay deserve a second chance? Or have Ross County made a monumental error? It's about what Ross County is. What does it stand for? What does it represent? And what does it represent for its fans? The words of County Chairman Roy McGregor on Wednesday, a day before confirming the appointment of Malky Mackay as manager of his club. It is a laudable proclamation and a bold one when you are about to unveil a man who has been exposed as sending messages of a homophobic, racist and sexist nature as the figurehead and leader of your team. That was something that was seven, eight years ago now, well documented a variety of times, said Mackay yesterday at his first press conference as county boss. Words that may have held more sway coming from a teenage offender rather than a now 49-year-old man. Nothing to hide there in terms of the whole aspect of it and the interviews I went through for the next three or four years, he continued, as if it was he who was being put out having to answer such questions. Everybody, of course, deserves a second chance. And as Mackay himself pointed out, he has actually since had a few working for Wigan before his stint as the performance director of the SFA, and then more recently even doing work for UEFA and FIFA. How long must he answer for these misdemeanours, some may ask? Isn't there a double standard at play here? when we have a convicted criminal in David Martindale as manager of Livingston. Let's not forget, there were many in the media, myself included, who put forward his case as a fit and proper person. Martindale has been allowed the opportunity to continue his rehabilitation without interference from the game's governing bodies, having paid his debt to society and shown contrition for his past actions. Would it not be hypocritical to deny Mackay the same chance at redemption? Well, there are clear differences between the cases, the biggest one being that Mackay has never actually appeared to be that sorry at all. In fact, in his initial response to the allegations in a League Managers Association statement at the time, he seemed to be lifted from page one of the politician's guide to non-apologies. If Malky has caused any offence by these two isolated matters, he would wish to sincerely apologise, it read.
There were two text messages sent in private at a time Malky felt under great pressure and when he was letting off steam to a friend during some friendly text message banter. Try telling the county fans who are up in arms about his appointment that it was just banter. For, in fact, the biggest problem that Mackay and McGregor will come up against as they try to sell this partnership won't come from those they may see as self-righteous journalists or social media snowflakes, but those who love the club. A football manager is not an ordinary job. As McGregor knows, it is a position that should be held by someone who reflects the values of your club, and the county fans clearly feel that Mackay does not. We are strongly against the reported appointment of Malky Mackay, tweeted the account of fan website Staggy's View. He should be nowhere near the game with the views he holds towards other human beings and we'll protest against this appointment in any way we can. You're not welcome here. One contributor, Ramsey Banks, expanded on the point saying, I love Ross County Football Club with everything that I am. I mean it. This club means everything to me. I won't be able to do anything associated with my beloved Staggies if he's manager. The kind of hatred Mackay brings is heartbreaking, infuriating and unacceptable. If the wider body of the Kirk feels the same way, then what chance does Mackay have? McGregor may be banking on a manager who has not led a club for six years, now hitting the ground running, and that fans will soon forgive his past conduct if he is getting results on the park. But I think that underestimates the depth of feeling involved here. In the end, appointing such a deeply divisive figure to a position that's very success depends on players, a club and a community rallying behind him seems utterly illogical and doomed to failure. Former co-manager and current chief executive of the club, Stephen Ferguson said, We understand that there are some frustrations and questions being asked. We know of Malky's past, but I keep having to emphasise that we're very much a progressive club, so we want to be looking forward rather than where we've been or where other people have been. I would ask the fans to be patient and trust us that we have a vision for the club and Malky's skill set, experience, contacts and networks all fit into what we need to move forward. Like it or not though, Mackay has to show that he understands the depth of hurt his past comments have caused, not try to explain them away as banter before asking anyone else to forgive and forget says Graeme McGarry. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 27th of May 2021, from the news section. Glasgow asylum seekers left without funds due to home office error. By Katriona Stewart, columnist and reporter. A charity has warned of a tsunami of suffering 
for Glasgow's asylum community after payment cards provided by the Home Office stopped working. It is understood the government body changed its Aspen card contract to a new supplier, causing families and individuals to suddenly be unable to access money. Positive Action and Housing said it has been deluged by people who, overnight, were left without any funds. Charity bosses have now given out more than £11,000 in crisis payments and are providing families with food parcels to tide them over. On Monday, 51 households got in touch in the space of an hour to seek help and, since then, hundreds more have sought support. An appeal for support has now been launched. Robina Kureshi, Executive Director of Positive Action and Housing, said This potentially affects thousands of the most vulnerable people in society who, unlike you or I, have no savings or reserve to rely on. They have been left with nothing, and this is not just individuals, it is families too, with children, the elderly, those with mental and health, physical health problems. They never stop to consider the impact that their mistakes would have on vulnerable people who don't have the resources to resolve these, nor alternatives when they have no money for food. There is a tsunami of suffering coming to these families because of this shambolic change. A spokesman for the Home Office said people in the asylum system had been told they must activate their new cards prior to the service going live, and the vast majority of individuals have done so. An Aspen card functions as a debit card for those in the asylum system. Money is loaded onto the card and can be withdrawn at an ATM. This week, the Home Office contract changed from supplier Sodexo to a new contract with prepaid financial services. In Glasgow and, it is understood, cities around the UK, people in the asylum system started to report issues with their cards. Some cards simply no longer worked. Some people had not been sent a new card. Some had money left on their old cards to roll over from the previous week that the cash was no longer there. And others reported issues signing up to the system as the year of birth 2000 was not recognised. By yesterday afternoon, Positive Action and Housing had been contacted by nearly 400 individuals and families seeking support. With a number of asylum seekers having little or no English and not knowing where to turn to for support, the actual number of those left without access to funds is expected to be much higher. Meanwhile, Positive Action and Housing said that those who remained in housing hotels due to the housing strategy introduced at the start of the pandemic, are still not receiving funds. A High Court ruling last year mandated that those housed in hotels should be paid £8 per week, backdated to when they were moved to the hotel accommodation. However, Rubina said, this is still not happening, leaving the community in dire need of support. You can donate online or post a cheque to Destitution Appeal, Positive Action and Housing, 98 West George Street, Glasgow, G21PG, or see www.positiveactionh.org forward slash donate. A Home Office spokesman said, A new service to provide asylum seekers with financial support went live on Monday and we are assisting everyone affected to ensure they get access to their payments swiftly. 
We provided clear advice to asylum seekers that they must activate their new cards prior to the service going live and the vast majority of individuals have done so. Those who have issues or are unsure how they can activate their cards are able to contact the 24-7 migrant helpline. Accommodation providers can facilitate emergency cash payments in the meantime. And that piece was by Katriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 27th of May 2021, from the news section. Priest Hill vlogger Amanda Britt caused patients to be moved wards after shouting at the top of her voice. This is Bar Court Reporter. A Priest Hill vlogger caused hospital patients to be moved ward due to the level of disruption she caused. Amanda Britt, 35, appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court to be sentenced for two separate matters on Tuesday. She previously pleaded guilty to behaving in a threatening and abusive manner at the resuscitation ward at the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, QUH, on August 14th last year. The court heard, The accused had consumed a large amount of alcohol and contacted an ambulance due to feeling unwell. Paramedics conveyed the accused to the QUH, where she began to act in an erratic and aggressive manner towards medical persons trying to assist her. She was shouting and swearing at the top of her voice, causing distress to medical staff and other patients. She was calling them B expletives, A explosives deleted, and pigs. Police officers were asked to attend and she refused to desist. She caused patients to be moved ward due to the level of distress she caused. Britt was soon assessed fit to be discharged and she was arrested and conveyed to Helen Street Police Office. In a separate incident on October the 23rd, 2018, Britt became aggressive after being recognised in public. The Procurator Fiscal Deputy said, The accused was in the witness area of Glasgow Sheriff Court. At this time, another woman entered the same room and made her way to the reception desk in the company of her aunt. At this point, the woman asked, is that Amanda Britt? The accused responded to this, Aye, Amanda Britt and what? Police officers interjected and informed the accused to ignore them. At this point, the three persons began to shout and swear and the accused stated, Who the F, expletive deleted, are you? The accused then moved towards in a forwards in a threatening manner. She stood up from her seat, spitting her arms wide and began shouting. Police removed the accused from the witness room and more officers were requested to deal with the matter. She was cautioned and charged as liable. In response, she replies, I should have dealt with it better. Brett's solicitor said that his client had been complying with a previous community payback order imposed on her. He added, she appreciates she has to take responsibility for her actions. She realises that, with her record, she could easily be sent to prison today. However, a community-based punishment would be more appropriate to provide her with some support. 
Sheriff Shona Kilroy admonished Brett for the incident that took place in the court. In relation to the hospital matter, the sheriff told Brett, You've heard the disruption you caused to medical staff who are trying to help people. I will impose a restriction of liberty order on you. Brett will have to remain within her home between the hours of 7pm to 7am for 60 days. And that piece is by a court reporter. Thursday, the 27th of May, 2021, the Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section. Lego is in my blood. Glasgow designer Amy Corbett on her role in hit TV show Lego Masters in the USA. Lego is in her blood, says Amy Corbett, the TV star and designer whose day job involves inventing sets for the world's famous toy and whose other career is judging on hit show Lego Masters USA. But it was not always that way. There was a time when I was growing up that Lego didn't seem exciting or relevant to me, explains the former Glasgow University and Glasgow School of Arts student. When I was younger, me and my brother played with Lego all the time. We had that big box of bricks every household has, inventing whole worlds and stories. But when I got older, I just fell out of it. Then I got the job and the chance to be a judge on the USA version of the show. And that has really reignited my passion. I love to build sets other people design. I come up with design ideas in my free time. I just love it. She smiles. I was absolutely blown away by the enthusiasm and love for Lego these builders have. It is amazing. Lego Masters USA is a stateside version of a hit show made by Glasgow and London-based production company Tuesday's, Tuesday's Child. British audiences are still waiting on a third series, but it has already started to pop up in countries around the world, including France, Denmark, Sweden, Poland, Belgium and the Netherlands. The UK programme, which is hosted by Melvin Odum, is a sweet family-friendly competition involving children and adults who compete each week on a different themed build. The US version is supersized adults only, still family-friendly but with added emotion, plus massive ambitious builds that take hours and Batman movie star Will Arnett as host. It is so much fun to work on, smiles Amy, who grew up in Uplamoor, a small village a few miles south of Glasgow. It was a completely different world to me. I'd never been in a studio before, and suddenly I'm standing there, in front of 14 cameras, and there are wardrobe teams and makeup, a lot of craziness, a lot of emotions. She explains, they were keen to have really big builds, which is why the decision was taken not to involve children this time. Also, it's hard enough sending builders home each week. I would not want to do that to children. It would be so terrible. 
The show is being screened here on E4 on Tuesdays at 9pm and already the drama has been ramped up with space fiend builds that had to be spectacularly destroyed, models sliced in two that had to be rebuilt and re-amaged, build disasters of all shapes and sizes and some fairly tense arguments between emotionally overwrought contestants. Host Arnott, the voice of Lego Batman, is a hilarious host, keeping it funny and light amidst all the drama. Brickmaster Amy is the voice of reason, working alongside fellow judge and Lego design-led Brickmaster Jamie Berard, who was an AFOL adult fan of Lego before he turned professional. Amy loved being creative at school. She was a pupil at Eastwood High in Newton Mears. I liked drawing, but I also enjoyed maths and science, and I knew I wanted to study something that would encompass both, she explains. I found out there was a product design engineering course run between Glasgow University and Glasgow School of Art, which was perfect. Every project I worked on, I added a twist. I was always wanting to create something playful and fun, add a family-friendly element. It was actually a friend who suggested to me I should work for Lego, and I applied and got the job. That was eight years ago, and Amy is now Senior Design Manager, based at Lego HQ in Denmark. She helped design the Lego Friends range and worked on the concept team for the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Her current project is Lego Dots, which puts a Lego spin on crafting by letting young builders in training customise everything from jewellery to picture frames. Then the chance to be part of Lego Masters USA came up. I'd heard about the TV show in the UK, so when the USA version came up, I just thought it sounded like a really cool thing to be part of, says Amy. The teams work so hard every week, and what they come up with, the levels of creativity and ambition, never cease to amaze me. They keep so cool under pressure, it just blows me away. Amy lives in Arhus on the Jutland. Peninsula's east coast. It's a lovely little city by the sea and I cycle around and have recently taken up paddle boarding, she smiles. Usually I love to travel but of course that hasn't been possible. I can't wait to get back to Glasgow. It's been almost a year and a half which has been really hard but hopefully things are improving and I'll get back soon. Now that filming on season 2 has finished for Amy, she is back at the day job. She's continuing to work on Lego Dots and the company has recently released its first LGBTQ set, Everyone is Awesome. Lego does think everyone is awesome and we are always about love and acceptance, wherever you are in the world and whoever you are. Lego bricks mean something to everyone all over the world. 
we are always reinventing the creative experience. Amy heads up a team of 10 designers at Lego headquarters in Billund in Denmark. It is really exciting and I suppose it is a little bit like being a judge on the show, she says, adding with a laugh, but much less frantic and without quite so many brick puns. Thursday the 27th of May 2021, the Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section Cooking with Mrs Conetta Hearty Food and Happy Days Life at Riverglen's Famous Buoni Lee Conetta is Glasgow food royalty. Each week she shares memories and recipes from a life less ordinary in the city and beyond. This week, fond memories of a River Glen institution, a crowd-pleasing dish and the chance for Glasgow Times readers to win a tasty prize. My parents owned the Central Cafe at 190 Main Street in the Royal Burr of River Glen. Our neighbours were Warnocks, the Butcher, Peacocks, the Baker and the Grand Central Picture House. River Glen had five cinemas back then, the Grand Central, the Rio, the Rule, the Greens and the Audion. On a Sunday, Main Street was full of well-dressed people going to church and afterwards they would come into the cafe for milkshakes, double nougats, knickerbocker glories and more. In the early 60s, we opened a new restaurant up the stairs called the Beyond Appetito and then we moved into River Glen's brand new shopping centre, the Mitchell Arcade, in 1975, where we still are today. Our welcoming and friendly staff have been there for a long time. Liz for 40 years, Tina almost as long. I have many, many stories to tell you about the Bioni, as it is affectionately known. Every Tuesday, my husband Joe and I had a half day off, so we'd lock up the restaurant and head off to Largs for a break. One day, sitting in Nardini's, my mother called to tell us the police were looking for us. We had locked a customer in the restaurant. We sped back to River Glen, rushed in, and the gentleman Duncan, who was a firefighter, looked a bit surprised. Lee, he said, you did not have to hurry back. I was perfectly fine. Made myself a steak and chips and had a wee ice cream afterwards. Totally enjoyable afternoon. A cafe is a home from home for some people. To this day, customers tell me they would never go anywhere else. One gentleman, a Mr Lauder, who made models for ships being built on the Clyde, came in every day. He liked the same table. We talked about his love of music, how he liked to walk everywhere. He was a very nice man. One night at home, he fell in front of the fireplace and badly burnt his legs. 
When we heard about what had happened, we sent his food home to him. My mum and dad, our cashier and I, all took turns delivering it. Sadly, Mr Lauder died a few months later. One day, his sister and her husband came in, curious as to how we became friends. I told her we have many customers and we also consider friends. They left a £250 cheque for girls in the cafe. Finally, I challenge everyone who claim they invented curry and chips, because we did. We also sold chips and gravy, bolognese, coleslaw, cheese, and we started in 1963. Do any any Glasgow Time readers have memories of the Bione? Send them to anne.foringingham at glasgotimes.co.uk and you could win a £70 voucher for DiMaggio's Royal Exchange Square. This is a Beyond Appetito classic and a dish that is perfect for a family supper or hearty lunch. You can add so many things to it too if you like. Fried bacon vegetables, peas, mushrooms, the sky's the limit. Ingredients 250 grams of macaroni, 50 grams of butter, 50 grams of flour, 600 ml milk, a pinch of nutmeg, 150 g cheddar cheese, 1 teaspoon of mustard, Salt and pepper. Method. Cook the pasta in boiling salted water for 12 minutes. Meanwhile, melt the butter slowly. Add the flour, forming a paste. Add the milk to the pot, pouring slowly and whisking constantly. Continue to stir for around 4 to 6 minutes. When thick, remove from the heat and add shredded cheese and mustard with a pinch of nutmeg. Strain the pasta, pour into a baking tray, add the sauce, mix well and sprinkle with more shredded cheese. Thursday the 27th of May 2021, the Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section. Popular Glasgow restaurant Rioja to return to Finiston with Michelin star chef. From Catalonia to Finiston, Rioja will return to Argyll Street as an expanded two-floor, 60-seat restaurant in June with Miguel Angel Major in the kitchen. The chef who recently moved to Glasgow will launch an innovative new menu with traditional Spanish tapas, sitting alongside modern Iberian fine dining creations. Miguel, who worked at El Bulli under Ferran Andrea, was awarded a Michelin star as head chef of Sucedi in Valencia in 2016. Meanwhile, chef John Trainer will open Fato Amano, a deli selling fresh pasta 
Roman style pizza, sandwiches, coffees and ice cream. It will take over from Rogers Butchers at 180 Byers Road in early August, with Rogers moving to a new unit further down the street. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 28th of May 2021. News. Glasgow Life admits closed library is safe to use. Exclusive by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Glasgow Life has admitted that a library that has remained closed is safe to use despite an earlier statement to the contrary. On April the 22nd, the council-owned organisation stated that both Maryhill and Whitehinch libraries were not to reopen as the buildings need significant upgrades in order to make them safe and usable places for communities to visit. However, in response to a Freedom of Information request seen by the Glasgow Times, it admitted Whitehinch was safe. It stated, Whitehinch Library requires a range of upgrade works, although it should be noted that the building is safe to use. It also confirmed it was safe to use before the lockdown led to its closure. The library is one of dozens of Glasgow Life facilities not yet scheduled to reopen. It has suffered a drop in income of around £40 million from loss of membership fees and charges for facilities and services. Glasgow City Council has agreed to underwrite a £100 million income guarantee that has allowed it to reopen around 90 facilities, but another 70 or so remain shut. Protests have taken place outside the library each Saturday and currently the railings are covered with protest posters from members of the community. Glasgow Life said for Whitehinch, a range of overlay works would also be required to provide a Covid-safe building. But it admitted the building itself, while needing upgrades, was currently safe to use. A spokesman for Glasgow Life said, While the building could be made safe to use in the short term, it falls substantially short of the condition of a modern library and will require to be upgraded in order to have a long-term future. The £100 million funding allocated to Glasgow Life this year is being fully used on reopening more than 90 venues across the city. Earlier this month, Glasgow City Council passed a motion that called for the reopening of all Glasgow Life venues when funds become available. Every building reopened during the pandemic has required upgrades to make them safe, usable and compliant with government guidance. Whitehinch Library needs more investment in the building and refurbishment inside and, if funds are identified, we will consult the local community about any plans to do this. In the meantime, we are also consulting organisations across the city that have made expressions of interest in venues through People Make Glasgow Communities. This article was by Stuart Patterson. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 28th of May 2021. News. Glasgow's River Clyde Covid Divide as Lockdown Decision Due by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Cases in the city continue to rise as Nicola Sturgeon is due to announce the decision on whether Glasgow can move down to Level 2 with the rest of Scotland or stay in Level 3 with a travel ban in and out of the city. The latest seven-day data, which gives the rate of positive cases per 100,000 population a key indicator in officials deciding on lockdown levels, shows Glasgow is still rising. For the seven days up to May the 24th, there were 924 new cases reported, a rate of 145.9 per 100,000. 
For comparison, the Scotland wide figure is 49 per 100,000. The week before, in Glasgow, it was 711 new cases, a rate of 112.3 per 100,000. There were 12 areas with the highest rate of more than 400 per 100,000. Those with the highest were Ibrox East and Cessnock, Pollock Shields East, Kingston West and Dumbreck, Darnley North, Pollock Shaws, Pollock Shields West, Maxwell Park, Carnwadric East, Mount Florida, Lauriston and Tradeston, Darnley West and Kenning Park and Festival Park. All are in the south of the city. At the other end of the scale, there were 43 areas where there were between zero and two positive cases in the last seven days. Most, but not all, were in the north of the city. There were 38 north of the Clyde and four south of the Clyde. The only areas in the south where the virus is considered suppressed are Penalee, Cardonald West and Central, Carmunnock North and Kings Park South. Ahead of her announcement due today, Nicola Sturgeon warned any lockdown easing in Glasgow must be done responsibly and safely and said it would be dangerous to ease too quickly. She responded in Holyrood to Scottish Tory leader Douglas Ross asking for more support for businesses in the city hit by lockdown. Ross said, Glasgow has been under Covid restrictions for 269 days during which time businesses have been struggling to survive. Sturgeon replied, I know how long the city of Glasgow has been under restrictions because unlike Douglas Ross, I am a resident of the city of Glasgow and the restrictions apply to me just as they apply to others. I know how difficult the situation is for residents and businesses across Glasgow, but I also know how dangerous it would be if we were to ease restrictions too quickly and allow a new variant of the virus, a variant that we know is spreading perhaps even more quickly than the variant that we saw at the start of the year, to take a grip again. Earlier, Paul Sweeney, Glasgow Labour MSP, said that it was unfair to put the whole city in lockdown. He said on Twitter, Can we not consider a level system for Glasgow that is more granular than the blunt instrument of shutting down a whole city to level 3? Ultimately, we need to ramp up mass vaccination within Glasgow, and that includes drop-in clinics. Health Secretary Hamza Youssef replied, We have discussed this and will continue to keep under review. However, it would be challenging to prevent, and certainly enforce, anyone from a hotspot area such as G41 or G42 travelling to meet someone indoors in G12 if, for example, the west end of city was in level 2. He added, challenge is there are areas in south side that are not hotspots and also postcodes on the other side of the river that have clusters. We have a mobile walk-in vaccination bus touring south side but urgently exploring making more available. This article was by Stuart Patterson. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 28th of May 2021. News. Nearly 1,000 scams prevented thanks to safety scheme by Lauren Gilmer, Facebook community reporter. Nearly 900,000 nuisance calls have been blocked and almost 1,000 scams have been prevented thanks to a scheme to keep elderly and vulnerable people safe. East Renfrewshire Council has handed out 943 true call call blockers to older and vulnerable people at risk of becoming victims of scams since the Confidence at Home scheme began in 2012. 
The move is expected to have saved people over £3 million. The call blockers have been handed out by the local authorities' trading standards team. Councillor Alan Lafferty, convener for Environment, said, I'm delighted that our trading standards team continues to lead the way in helping to protect our residents from scams. Call blocking technology is especially beneficial to our older and most vulnerable residents who may be receiving high numbers of unwanted nuisance calls or have been a victim of a scam, so it's great that these intelligent devices have been able to block so many calls since they have been introduced in East Renfrewshire. This article is by Lauren Gilmer. Evening Times, May 28. Lifestyle. Little ship Skylark 9 that saved lives in Dunkirk has new home near Glasgow. Report by Anne Fotheringham. A ship that saved hundreds of lives in the Second World War, sank twice, was rescued from a watery grave and made thousands of holidaymakers happy on Loch Lomond is to have a new purpose and a new home near Glasgow. Who remembers the Skylark 9? Built as a pleasure boat in 1934, Skylark 9 became one of the famous Dunkirk little ships in May 1940 when she served during Operation Dynamo the mission to save 338,000 Allied soldiers from Dunkirk. She is one of only two Operation Dynamo ships to survive today. The Skylark 9 Recovery Trust announced ambitious plans this week, the 81st anniversary of Dunkirk, for a new £3 million heritage experience and boat building training centre in Dumbarton. The little ship was rescued and is currently being restored thanks to the National Lottery Heritage Fund by a specialist boat building team working with people recovering from drug addiction and social isolation. The spirit of Skylark Centre will sit in the grounds of the Scottish Maritime Museum, Denny Tank, on Castle Street. Unveiling the plans, Mary Birch, BEM, chair of the Skylark 9 Recovery Trust, said, in her lifetime, Skylark has been battered by wartime service, storms, and at least two sinkings. Although following an in-depth condition survey and advice from marine surveyors, and maritime heritage experts, we have had to sadly accept that she will never sail again. We have taken some of her indomitable spirit to go well beyond our original vision. Building work is expected to begin in 2025. Report by Anne Fotheringham. Evening Times, 28 May, Opinion Column. Chris McQueer reveals how he accidentally scabbed on a school strike because he was at the dentist. I have been thinking a lot about my time at secondary school recently, how lawless things could be and the myriad of schemes we would employ to get things done. 
the chaos of the changing rooms before and after PE was really something. Before we started playing football or basketball or whatever, it would be buzzing with energy and carry on. Twenty-odd wee guys, all full of sugar and nonsense after lunchtime, let loose in an enclosed space. Five minutes to get changed. Five minutes to create as much disorder as humanly possible. Before PE, it would mostly be a wee bit of fighting, hiding other people's stuff, things being launched through the air. But it was when we went to get changed back into our uniforms that the real madness would unfold. Cans of deodorant would be produced and passed around. All seemed well for a few brief moments before you heard the click of a lighter. The thick aerosol fog would feel thicker and more choking with the added tension. Geese that, the guy with the lighter would say, snatching the can of off-brand links from the hands of someone more timid. Watch this, he'd say, sparking the lighter while everyone waited with bated breath, too scared to move. He'd spray the deodorant into the flame, creating an impromptu flamethrower. Then he'd get to his feet. We guys would be screaming in two different pitches of either fear or excitement. The teacher would hear the commotion and come in with a face like thunder, only to see the th flames and think to himself, Nah, don't get paid enough to deal with this, let them fight it out. I remember at the time thinking things like that happening were hilarious, but now I realise it's no wonder I'm so highly strung. There were other things we'd get up to, which were less dangerous but just as funny. When we were about 15, and at the peak of our obsession with football, and also wanting to do things that weren't strictly legal at our age, we became obsessed with gaining access to the bookies. We stood outside Ladbrokes and pulled a pound each from our lunch money to put on a coupon. We weren't just going to waltz in all together, no that would be daft. We instead had a vote on who was the oldest looking. This was the year our school introduced black blazers that didn't have any logos or anything on them, meaning we just looked like we wore black suits to school. This gave us the idea that if one of us went in without the school tie on, they'd look like they were just back from a funeral. Right, man, I said to my pal James, standing in front of me in his ill-fitting suit and patchy beard, looking very much like a wee guy trying his best to look older. You've got the money, just go in, get the coupon, mark it up and go to the counter. Say something like, funerals are horrible, if you can. He went in and miraculously the plan worked. Looking back, the staff no doubt saw us all standing outside for about 20 minutes as we went over the plan like we were in a heist film and took pity on us. I'd love to end this particular vignette on a happy note and say that we won a fortune, but of course 
we didn't. This tactic also worked for Bevy somehow. My favourite day at school, however, was when almost every pupil went on strike. I missed the organising of this strike as I was at the orthodontist and went in after lunchtime to an empty classroom, so it was just me and my chemistry teacher. Where is everybody? I asked her. They're on strike, apparently, she said, because pupils aren't allowed in the front doors anymore, only staff. We watched from the window as almost the entirety of my year was out on the pitch instead of being in school. I felt like a scab. Soon, a few of the more intimidating teachers made their way out and began shouting. This only caused everyone to run away. Another teacher came running into the classroom, saying the head teacher had just commandeered the van and was going to go and round everyone up. Sure enough, we watched him speed along the road as hundreds of children scattered and jumped into various gardens around Shettleston. It really was amazing to watch, and I wish to this day I'd have been involved. What a rush it must have been. I barely remember anything I learned in school, but I do remember learning to always steer clear of the guy with the deodorant can and lighter. You can achieve anything if you just act confident enough and to never be a scab, says Chris McQueer. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the news section, I know my rights. Winford Mann demanded cops found his keys and took him home. By Lauren Brownlee, reporter. A Winford man who accused shop staff of taking his bag went on to verbally abuse cops before demanding a lift home. Darren Farnham, Farnham, 29, appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court from custody last week after previously pleading guilty to three separate matters. On December the 7th, at the New Kismet in Toll Cross, Farnham told officers that he knew his rights and that they better find his keys and drive him home. The court heard, At 11.50pm, the accused walked into the takeaway. He started shouting and becoming a nuisance before leaving the premises. He then returned a short time later stating that staff had taken his bag. He kept losing his balance and banging onto the front window. Staff called police. Officers arrived to find the accused outside. He stated to officers that staff had taken his bag. Officers located the missing bag 10 metres away in the street. He became abusive and he stated that he knew his rights. He said officers better find his keys and take him home. He continued to shout and called officers F expletive deleted B expletive deleted several times. He raised his arms in a fighting stance and calling officers F explicitly deleted B explicitly deleted. He was cautioned and charged and thereafter taken to the Cathcart Police Office where he continued his abusive behaviour. He leaned forward and breathed into an officer's face while remarking how bad his breath smelled. 
He kicked an officer's leg and was placed in a cell until sober. In a separate incident on May the 12th last year, Farnham assaulted a man by punching him in the head, kicked a female police officer and approached an address he was ordered not to. And in another, another incident on December the 10th last year, police were called to the Rainy McIntosh Hotel following a disturbance outside. The Procurator Fiscal Deputy said, Officers arrived and approached the group outside. There was no clear issue. Without any warning, the accused punched one of the witnesses to the face, causing a small cut and minor swelling to his left eye. The accused was arrested, cautioned and charged. Due to his level of intoxication, he was taken into police custody, where he remained until sober. Farnham's solicitor explained that the man who who was assaulted is also subject to criminal proceedings after it was believed he assaulted his client before the police arrived. He added, He will be in custody until October. Serving a prison sentence has not been easy for him, however. It's given him an opportunity to stay sober and be reflective. Sheriff Daniel Kelly sentenced Farnham to eight months in prison. And that piece was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Classical Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the news section, McCulloch Street, Man Dies After Devastating Flat Fire in Paul Shields. By Lauren Gilmore, Facebook community reporter. A man has died after yesterday's devastating fire at a flat on the south side. Emergency services went to the property at around 1.30pm after flames engulfed a top floor flat on McCulloch Street in Pollock Shields yesterday. The body of the man was found in the property after nearby residents were evacuated from the scene. Fire crews battled flames for most of yesterday and 15 families have now been displaced. Police Scotland and the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service have now launched a probe into the fire which has been treated as unexplained. A spokeswoman for Police Scotland said, Around 1.30pm on Tuesday the 1st of June, police were called to a fire at a flat in Lincoln Path, McCulloch Street, Glasgow. Emergency services attended and residents were evacuated from the building. The body of a man was found within the property. The fire is currently being treated as unexplained and a joint investigation between Police Scotland and the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service is ongoing. And that piece is by Lauren Gilmore. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the news section, Scotland fans warned not to travel to London without match tickets. Piece by Douglas Barry. Scotland fans without a ticket to their team's Euro 2020 match with England have been warned not to travel to London by Mayor Sadiq Khan. There will be nowhere for large groups to gather in the capital for the match at 8pm on Friday, June 18th, with the traditional Trafalgar Square meeting place being used as a socially distanced fan zone for key workers. About 2,600 tickets have been allocated for Scotland supporters at Wembley, with pubs and bars also expected to limit the number of football fans allowed in during the European Championship, which was delayed due to the coronavirus pandemic. Mr Khan has joined the Scottish Government and Scottish Football Association, SFA, to ask fans not to travel to the city unless they have a ticket 
or a safe place to watch the match. He said, I am so excited for UEFA Euro 2020 and one of the games that I am looking forward to the most is England's match with Scotland at Wembley. I have some amazing memories of England v Scotland games in the past and I love the atmosphere that Scottish fans always bring to a major football tournament. However, I'm I'm today using, urging all fans to only come to London if you have a ticket for the match or if you have arranged a safe place to watch it from in compliance with COVID-19 guidelines. He added, I want to be completely clear that, that Scottish fans will not be able to access their traditional Trafalgar Square base as it will be used as a socially distanced fan zone for key workers who are helping our city through the pandemic. Due to COVID regulations, there are no alternative sites for fans to gather in, large numbers, in central London. We have been all been through so much over the past 15 months and, while I know everyone wants to have a great time during the Euros, it is vital that we make sure the competition is safe and takes place in an environment that we can all enjoy. If everything goes to plan, COVID restrictions will be lifted on June 21st. Should that happen, I want to welcome people from all over the UK to the capital with open arms so they can experience a great city, theatres, bars, restaurants and great nightlife. Glasgow City Council announced last month it would hold a fan zone event at Glasgow Green for the, t- for the tournament, which would allow 6,000 people to gather t- together per day. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon said on Tuesday the plans will be continually reviewed in response to concerns about the proposals, with tickets mostly sold out. Scotland's Culture Minister Jenny Gilruth said, I know for many many of us Euro 2020 will be the highlight of the summer and an opportunity to support our national team. As well as the matches played in Glasgow, there will also be huge interest in the Scotland v England game at Wembley. Although we have made great progress, We all still have an important part to play in making sure we keep the virus under control. So I urge all football fans to plan in advance how you're going to enjoy the tournament and only travel to London for June 18 if you have a ticket or a safe place to watch the match from. Ian Maxwell, SFA Chief Executive, added, Now that the window for for Scotland supporters club members to purchase Euro 2020 tickets has closed, we ask all supporters not to travel to London for a Group D match on June 18 against England unless they have a ticket for the match. The fan zone at Glasgow Green running throughout the tournament will ensure more people in Scotland can experience UEFA 2020 and, hopefully, celebrate some momentous Scotland results. I would urge Scotland fans to avoid unnecessary travel, to utilise the fan zone in Glasgow Green if they can. If they can and enjoy the UEFA 2020 experience safely and locally. And that piece is by Douglas Barry. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the news section, Sunbathing man who refused to move from spot arrested after becoming abusive. By Lauren Brownlee, reporter. A man who was arrested after refusing to move from his sunbathing spot told police officers he had corona. Ryan Perry appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court last week 
after previously pleading guilty to three separate matters. The 28-year-old was outside the Eva Burroughs homeless unit in Canvas Lang when he was approached by officers on May the 30th last year. The court heard officers on patrol observed the accused to be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. He was slurring his speech and began to shout and swear. He stated F, explosives deleted. Off you, W, explosives deleted. I'm having a bathing and sunbathing. He was requested to desist and return to his room. He replied, I'm going nowhere. F, explosives deleted, off. At 6.45pm, officers cautioned and charged the accused. He said, F, explosives deleted, off, both of you. I've got corona. He was handcuffed and taken to Cathcart Police Station. In another incident on April 22nd this year, Perry was outside the same homeless unit and refused to leave. The Procurator Fiscal Deputy said, Staff contacted police as the accused had been outside for some time. Officers attended and saw him loitering outside. They noted him to be under the influence of an unknown substance. He began shouting and swearing and calling officers a explosive deleted. He started, he stated, Why use doing this? Use our F explosive deleted, A explosive deleted. Use have nothing better to do with your time. I'm going to F explosive deleted snap. At this time, officers cautioned and charged the accused. He replied, Why use doing this, man? This is so S, explosive deleted. He was taken to Cathcart Police Station. His demeanour remained angry and he was gritting his teeth. He stated, I want to go F, explosive deleted home. I want my F, explosive deleted mum. You better get my F, explosive deleted mum. I'm I'm giving you one chance to let me go. Perry also breached his curfew conditions on April 27th this year by being outside of his home after 10pm. His solicitor explained that in relation to the incident in which he refused to leave the homeless unit, his client had moved out of this accommodation after securing his own tenancy in Rutherglen, but had lost the key. He added, Police were called and tried to assist him. He ended up being arrested because of his attitude. He's not in employment, but has a background working in catering and hopes to continue that line of employment in the future. He has a background of mental health difficulties and has ongoing support. He seems to be motivated in ways that has not been in the past. He's willing to comply with supervision. Sheriff Daniel Kelly ordered Perry to be treat, to be under social work supervision for 12 months. He was also order, ordered to stay within his home between 8pm and 7am for 90 days. And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the news section, West Princess Street, women found dead as police launched probe into unexplained death. By Lauren Gilmore, Facebook community reporter. A woman was found dead in a Glasgow flat yesterday evening. Emergency services arrived at the property on West Princess Street in Woodlands at around 5.15pm yesterday. 
Her death is currently being treated as unexplained and a post-mortem will be undertaken to confirm the cause of her death. A spokesman for Police Scotland said, Officers are investigating following the sudden death of a woman who was found dead within a property in West Princess Street, Glasgow, at around 5.15pm on Tuesday the 1st of June. The death is currently being treated as unexplained and a post-mortem examination is due to be carried out to establish the full circumstances. And that article is by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the news section, Workers stole more than £1,000 from SAFE at Glasgow City Centre Business, Block Plus. Article by Lauren Brownlee, reporter. A man who worked for a restaurant and bar in Glasgow City Centre stole more than £1,000 from the SAFE. Brian Connor from Govan was employed as a kitchen porter at Block Plus when the theft took place on December 28, 2019. The 55-year-old appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court to be sentenced last week after previously pleading guilty to stealing the cash. The Procurator Fiscal Deputy said, At around 7pm, the accused went into the office area and was aware no one else was within. He took the safe key out of a glass box and opened the safe and took £1,143.45. A witness reviewed CCTV on the night and identified the accused as taking the money from the safe. Officers were called and, on January the 6th, attended to speak with the witness. They thereafter spoke with the accused. He was cautioned and charged. Connor's lawyer explained that his client maintains that he paid £1,356 back to the business owner. However, police were told that only half of the money has been returned. The defence solicitor said he accepts full responsibility. He worked at the place for around seven months and had a good relationship with all staff. He states this was a moment of madness for him. He is currently working as a chef within a hotel. He says he's paid the money back and more. There are no cases outstanding, no recent offences and a significant period of time has elapsed since the offence. Sheriff Daniel Kelly admonished Connor but ordered him to pay £600 in compensation. The sheriff told him, I take into account what's been said and the lack of any recent offending for some time. All options are open for an offence of this type. I expect I accept the explanation that it was temptation. I will deal with this today by way of a financial penalty. I appreciate that there's a difference between what you said and what the business owner has said about the money being paid back. I accept at face value that you have paid the full amount. However, that does not stop me imposing a compensation order in relation to the difficulties you have caused them. And that article was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the Lifestyle section, Stars in Glasgow Memories of Mario and Meeting Sammy on the Street by Anne Fotheringham, Senior Features Writer It was quite something to see Sammy Davis Jr. on stage in Glasgow. Even more exciting was bumping into him in the city centre. That is what happened to Times past reader Joe Saunders, 
who got in touch after he saw a feature on the legendary Rat Pack singer, who appeared at the Odeon in May 1963. Joe told us, I was happy to read your story about Sammy Davis. I was lucky enough to see his performance at the Odeon that night. He was fabulous. The next morning, as I walked along Gordon Street, I was amazed to see him standing looking at Rowan's shop window. Rowan's was a Jane's outfitter, fashionable amongst Glasgow's natty dressers. No wonder the stylish Sammy was checking it out. Joe, who lived and worked in the city centre as an office machine service engineer, adds, I had to speak to him. He was very pleasant and polite and signed an autograph for me. And I got my photo, photo taken with him. Another reader, who wanted to be known only as a jazz fan, has some fantastic stories of great gigs in the city. My friend and I saw Mario Lanza at St Andrews Halls, not long before the halls were sadly burned down, writes our correspondent. We lived in that area and were passing by, saw crowds and wondered who was on. We asked a doorman who told us it was Mario Lanza. We wanted to see him but we had no tickets. He said the office was closed but that we should hang around as there might be people selling some if they could not use. We hung around until everyone was in, but still no tickets, so we went back to the doorman who said he'd let us in for £3 standing only. We gave him £3 each and went in to stand near the back with many others. There was a big stage or platform in the middle of the hall with a big beautiful grand piano on it. The pianist came on and played a few bars, then Mario came on. What a voice! I still remember the sound. He leaned heavily on the piano all through the concert. The lyrics were all in Italian, which we did not understand, but his voice and the sound of the music were magical. We really enjoyed it. A reader adds, sadly, Mario went to London for a couple more concerts, then to the USA, and died just a couple of weeks later. Jazz fan also recalls a fantastic gag by Tony Bennett at the Odeon, Ella Fitzgerald at the Kelvin Hall, Count Basie at the St Andrews Halls, and Sarah Vaughan at the Odeon. We saw so many stars over the years, he slash she writes. At Count Basie, we were the eighth row from the front. The band struck up and I thought someone had punched me in the forehead. Then I realised it was the sound of the band. The count was sparkling on the piano in the band. What a sound! I think that was the best concert of all. What is the best concert you have seen in Glasgow? Do you share Jazz Fam's memories of Mario, Ella and the Count or Sarah? Get in touch with Time Has Passed to share your stories and photos. And that piece was about Anne Fotheringham. From Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the Opinion section all the things I'm wishing for in a level one summer. By our columnist, the secret Glasgow taxi driver. So there we have it. Back down to level two at the weekend. Thank goodness for that. It's been some journey. These last few weeks, this year, the whole 15 months since this bloody pandemic reared its head. All I want for summer is that we don't go backwards again and we can all have a clean run at things during the holiday months 
Ideally in level 1 before too much longer. I'm not being greedy, that's all I ask. But if I was being greedy, all I'd want for summer would be... The vaccination programme accelerating through the rest of the Glasgow population. Scotland to beat the Czechs in our opening game of the Euros. The hospitality trade getting a big boost after they can properly reopen. £5 for every time someone asks me, Busy tonight, driver? Scotland to win at Wembley in our second game of the Euros. For the children who benefit from the annual charity trip trip to Turin to have a magic day despite not being able to travel. An ice cream, a 99, especially this week. Scotland to beat Croatia in our third group game at the Euros. Someone to explain the new traffic system up Garscube Road near Firhill. WTF? That everyone, overnight, stops dropping litter and enables this great city to always look its sparkling best. Scotland to win the Euros. I've taken that too far, haven't I? Ah well, even if half of the above comes true, I'd be delighted. Have a great summer, everyone, and stay safe. And that was a column by the secret Glasgow taxi driver. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021, from the opinion section, Susan Aitken, Glasgow needs a special strategy to come out of lockdown by Susan Aitken, columnist. As we now know, we'll be taking a real significant step forward towards something we recognise as normal in the coming days. People have been understandably frustrated that Glasgow has not been able to move forward in sync with most of the rest of Scotland. After over 14 months of living with often severe restrictions on our everyday freedoms, that's entirely understandable. Our economy our communities and their citizens have all suffered, but hopefully by the time you're reading this, we'll be in the final days of Level 3. A huge thank you must go out to all those involved in the vaccination programme in the city since the spike of the so-called Indian variant last month. My biggest thanks go to all of you who put in the extra effort and got us all to a much improved situation. In the past week, I've had a number of discussions with both Kate Forbes, Cabinet Secretary for Finance, and the Deputy First Minister John Swinney about the additional support Glasgow requires above and beyond what it receives in terms of Covid aid. Following those talks, we've secured an extra £769,000 to help our business through this latest phase. I also spoke with Mr Swinney around how we address Covid in our cities and the need for the urban pandemic policies and those conversations have also been very positive. I made clear that every time there is a spike, it is in cities and large towns, as the largest, most dense and diverse population centres are hit first and hardest. We need targeted surge testing and vaccinations, such as what we've seen in the city in the past couple of weeks. The response to further surges of variants emerging cannot be based around further restrictions. As we progress from this latest crisis, our messages have been listened to. Glasgow needs a special strategy and not simply just wrapped up in a blanketed approach. Where Glasgow benefits, the rest of Scotland benefits. 
In just over a week's time, Glasgow co-host not only one of the world's greatest sporting events, but also one where her national team will compete for the first time since last century. Of course, the pandemic means Euro 2020 will not be the event we had hoped it could be, especially given it's the Scotland men's first appearance at a football final since 1998. But it can still be a wonderful occasion for the city, for its residents and visiting fans and dignitaries. And it's another great international showcasing of Glasgow's to new audiences. I'm positive we can host a safe and secure event, both at Hamden and at the Fan Zone in Glasgow Green. Strident measures have been taken to ensure that the stadium and the Fan Zone are as regulated and monitored as they can be. The Euros is also our opportunity to stage a major test event in our city, with thousands of fans a day taking, visiting the Fan Zone. That's a test event on a scale I'm unaware of elsewhere in the UK and one, I'm sure, will give us a really good indication of how sports and other major fan events can return to some sort of normality. With COP26 not far on the horizon and with all partners applying for an in-person event, the experience of the 31 days will likely play a big part in our planning for November. Huge responsibilities come with Glasgow's status as a COP26 host. We have the responsibility to visiting world leaders that we can deliver a safe and secure event to other cities across the world that are heard in these critical discussions and to protesters that they can voice their concerns on the future of our planet. As council leader, my primary responsibility is to the people of Glasgow Right throughout our engagement on the road to COP, it has been clear that the impacts of climate change and the need for a truly just transition to carbon neutrality are as relevant to the lives and challenges of ordinary glass regions as they are anywhere. And I have been clear that COP26 will not simply happen to Glasgow, but with us and for us. I'm delighted, therefore, that formal engagement with our citizens on what the recommendations are for tackling the climate emergency in our home city will start this summer. This has to be a two-way conversation. If we are going to secure a just transition to a low-carbon economy, people and communities need to be at the heart of what we do. And engagement is so critical to ensuring citizens share in tackling the climate emergency. Our plan is that during August we host the Citizens' Assembly by recruiting a sample of ordinary glass regions to give us their views and help shape the legacy of our hosting of COP26. The Citizens' Assembly will be organised by the leading market research company, Ipsos Mori, and meet over several sessions. We want to know where our citizens feel that they can be meaningful work together to effect the change needed and, most importantly, their views in making sure that social justice and equity are embedded in all of this. This is just one of the ways in which we are engaging with our people, having already carried out several consultations, including on our climate emergency implementation plan. Global events don't come much more significant than COP26. We've got to make sure that not only does Glasgow have a lasting legacy as host city, but our people have helped shape it. And that piece was by columnist Susan Aitken. 
And that was this week's Glasgow Times News podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>